in Wax. My name is Jordan E. White, and this is the only official podcast of Waxwork.com, which of course is spelled W-A-X hyphen W-O-R-K.com, in case you haven't gotten it from there. Let's get right to the podcast, shall we? Um, let me introduce my fellow co-hosts. Um, as I said, my name is Jordan E. White. I am the main host of the show, but I do have three gentlemen with me here who would like to say hello. Mr. Frank Allen, for example. Yes, hello. My name is Frank Allen, and I am a co-host of the show. Uh, unfortunately, I was gypped out of a segment to no, Fra- I mean, Frank, you weren't gypped out of a segment. It was a confluence of, you know, events. But it's beyond my control. Well, it wasn't It wasn't beyond your control. All right, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, he usually has a, an interview. He doesn't this week. Um, but you still you still have your, your old segment. Your, we still have a, an episode of Debatatorium for you. Yeah, sure. That's old stuff. My new stuff is so much better. If you, okay, if you say so. But that's Frank Allen. Next to him, of course, being my cat, Scape, who is a little gray cat. He's a wonderful guy. I know. I am very wonderful. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes, you are. And uh, you don't actually have a segment, but you do provide a lot of greatness to the talking, right? Of course. Um, also, I'm famous celebrity. Probably the most famous person here. Well, the most, I mean, in a po- in a positive way, anyway. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm, no, I'm, uh... Nothing by that, because of course, my third co-host being Mr. Rory Sinjin. Rory being, having been gone for a while, he came back last week, rejoined us, but now he's back, you know, officially. We knew about him ahead of time and all that. I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I didn't, you know, let you know I would be coming last week. I just, I figured it wouldn't be too much of a problem. And it wasn't. It was great to have you back. We were very pleased. Good. Well, no, I'm just, I'm sorry I got in the way a little. No, you didn't get in the way. You didn't get in the way in the slightest. It was very good. Um, oh, but, but, but you did say last week and you, you misspoke. It was two weeks ago when we had our 
last show. I should talk about the fact that we didn't do a show last week. Well, the reason is basically we were busy. We were all pretty much tied up, um, except Scapey, and we didn't really want him to do the show by himself. I could have, though. I could have done it all alone. You couldn't have, because you don't know how to operate the computer. I would have just had to hit, like, record, and then left the house and said, you know, have fun. You would have filled up my hard drive with a, a giant recording. Who knows if you would have gotten to all the bits. I would have done all the bits. Everything important would have been done. It just would have been... Over time, I could take a nap once in a while and then continue. Yeah, that's not... Okay, well, we didn't do that, so... But we, the rest of us were busy. I um, I went to the New York Anime Festival for a little while. That was kind of fun, you know? I, I'm not a huge anime fan, but I do like some manga, so I had a nice time walking around there. Then I went to see one of my favorite bands of all time, They Might Be Giants, and that was an incredible blast. That was really great. They played some really unexpected songs. Awesome. Yeah, like anybody cares what you have to say about that. Well, okay, maybe they don't, but I don't care. It's my show. I enjoyed listening to the Ampy Giants. It was a great show. I'm going to try to see them again next month. Great, so we're going to have another week where there's no show. Well, no, not necessarily. I, just because I'm going to see a show doesn't mean that the rest of you are busy. Plus, I won't have an anime festival that week, so there's a good chance I'll have plenty of time to do it that week. But anyway, Frank, you were busy too. What were you doing last weekend? Oh, uh, well, no, no I, you're right. I was busy, though. That's, that's true. I had an audition, actually. Uh, it was very cool. I did a, an audition for a show, uh, an interview show, actually. So, you know, recognition has been paid to me. Uh, I was uh, asked to interview. They, oh, they they called you and asked you? Uh, well, I mean, no, okay. I mean, you know, it was a it was an ad, and it said, would you like to interview? I mean, so in a way, it was. It might have been kind of rhetorical. I went, though, is my point. I scheduled it, and, uh, you know, that was that was quite an experience. How did it go? Did you... Did you get the gig? Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I got the gig. I, they haven't called me back yet. But when did they say they were going to have callbacks? I don't really know. Well, what was it? What was it? I mean, what what were you interviewing for a position on? I mean, you were what? What kind of a show is it? Uh, well, I I didn't exactly. Uh, I didn't ask because I was like, well, I'll do any type of interview show. So, so okay, so let me get this straight. You went for an audition for an interview show. You don't know what the show was. You don't know whether you got the gig, and you don't know when you'll find out whether you'll, you've got the gig. Was there anything, what, what, what kind of interview did you do? They just brought somebody in, and I asked them a question. Who, who did you interview? Well, we, I mean, we interviewed each other. Well, who, well, I, well, I'm, what do you mean you interviewed each other? Well, I was interviewed by the applicant before me. And then uh, when they left, I interviewed the next one. So, you know, everybody kind of, you know, found out about each other. They, they kind of found out about everybody involved, and they got to see them interview as well. So it was like a chain audition? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, that's a little bizarre. Well, it's a, it's a lot bizarre. Well, all right. Well, I guess, I guess good luck. I don't, I mean, again, I don't know what you're interviewing for. I hope it's a good show, and I hope you can get it, I guess. Um, but uh, let's move on. Rory, you were also busy, correct? Yes, actually I was, but not with something really good to talk about, necessarily. Well, what was it? What, what happened? I, well, I was, I was at the Institute. Oh, doing, like, research? Well, no, not, uh, not so much. I was, I was trying to convince them, um, to, uh, allow me to keep my, my job there. Oh, what, what happened? Well, uh, when I, when I arrived on Monday, um, they informed me that they, they did not want my, uh, services anymore because I had, I brought sort of a, a bad, uh, reputation to the, the Institute. And so, uh, you know, it was very distressing. And so on the weekend, I was I was back trying to get in touch with them to um, um, find out what uh, what was possible regarding uh, continuing there. You, so wait, so you, I'm I'm a little I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. You you went on Monday, found out you didn't have a job, and why did you not try to convince them until until the weekend? What happened during the weekdays? I was I was otherwise I was otherwise occupied uh, for most of the week. 
after that. Doing what? I, what could have been more important than, I mean, you'd think. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, that's true. I probably, I, sh- I really should have gone back on Tuesday. Um, especially considering the way it went. Why? What happened? What? I mean, I, so I'm, I'm guessing it didn't work. No, uh, it didn't. Um, I, well, I spent most of Tuesday, um, and Wednesday and, uh, also Thursday and Friday, uh, most of the week, really, um, uh, drinking, uh, you know, alcohol and all, um, which was not probably my strongest choice because when I, when I did go to them on Saturday, um, I think I was still somewhat, well, well, drunk and I was still drinking still. Unfortunately, and I uh, made a bit of a fool of myself, but that's fine. Oh gosh, no, no, but but it's but it's all right um, because I I'm going I'm I'm going to be all right. Well, that's good. Well, I mean, what are you are you still drinking? No, no, I mean you know occasionally, but not, I'm not uh, drinking all the time. I've only drank a few of the days uh, this week, you know, about th- uh, three or four. So it's not it's not a permanent thing. And obviously, I'm not drunk right now. I'm, I'm fine. I'm very sensible. I was able to record this day in histories for you. Um, two of them, as you know, uh, and I was completely sober for both of these. So that's not, that's not a problem. But what are, but what are you going to do? I mean, you said you don't have a job. Well, no, that, I mean, that's true. I, I will just continue with my readings. The, the fact is, even um, when I was in prison, I was doing some extra historical readings uh, through the mail service. It was a little bit of a, a delay, a time delay there. But now that I'm back out again, I can continue my, my, my general my general practice of, of doing extra historical readings for people. Again, if anyone would like to engage my services, it's castandwax at gmail.com. And for the, for the most part, most of my clients uh, were interested in continuing. Uh, hopefully, they will still be interested in continuing after the service from last week, because, yes, I did speak, unfortunately, to a few of them while I was at the uh, pub, so to speak. You were doing readings from a pub? No, I mean, I said so to speak. It's, uh, it was more of a euphemism. I was, I was alone. I was at my house. But it's fine. Again, I've got it under control now. It's all, everything is fine. And such. Wow, that's uh, that's unfortunate stuff. No, it is. It is. Um, sorry. If you need any anything, let me know. I am confused, guys. I'm not really surprised, but why are you confused, Gabe? Well, because uh, you're saying like you only drank like a couple days, but I do, I have a drink like every day because I get real thirsty. So if you guys don't fill the water bowl, like. It gets really upsetting because I'm like, oh god, I'm, oh, I'm so thirsty. Oh. And then I might even like jump on the sink and try to rip the faucet or something because I get really thirsty. No, that's not what he's talking about. He doesn't mean that kind of drinking. He means like alcohol drinking. I don't know what that is. Well, it's not water. Let's just say that it's like it's like drinking something that's not water, and in fact, probably makes you thirstier. Just kind of, uh, I mean, I can't explain it because I don't really do it. So. Well, I mean, everybody has their own reasons for doing it. I was doing it. Well, no, I don't want to get into your reasons. Like this is, I mean, gosh, this isn't like a confessional show. Let's, just, I mean, let's let's move on. Actually, uh, we we got a lot of mail this week, and one of the things I was hoping to do uh, with all this mail is uh, kind of space it out throughout the episode because we did get some mail for Rory, and I know last week there was a bit of a downer in that. The, the the mail for Rory was uh there was there was no mail for Rory but now we've got mail for Rory now that people know he's back so I thought we'd, we'd space some of it out and read it Here, here's the first one I, I guess I'll read this one uh, this is from a woman named uh, Felicia Saint John um, Sinjin I guess yes Sinjin yes that's yes that's my mother yes oh. Uh, well, okay, good. Uh, well, let me read it to you. Uh, Dear Rory, it is so good to have you back. I listen to the podcast every week just to hear your wonderful segment. I was terribly distraught to hear your legal troubles and so incredibly upset to hear about the time you had to serve in prison. I know it's hard to visit or call because we're so far away, but now that's not really my fault, is it? And you could write once in a while. I know you have access to email if you are able to read these emails that come to you every week. I've been worried sick about you. Frankly, I try to keep my chin up, but since the podcast is the only time I get to hear your darling voice, I've just 
just been sitting by the computer all day waiting to hear for updates about you. Perhaps you could find time amongst all your celebrities and fancy parties and gallivanting in America to call your dear old mom sometime soon. She's not getting any younger, you know. Anyway, I'm so glad you're back in one piece, and I can't wait to hear from you on the podcast. And Frank, you big bully, leave my darling son alone. He's a good boy, even if he does never speak to his mother. It's not his fault he's so effeminate and pansy-like. He gets it from his father. He gets just about everything from his father, including deserting his mother. And he's probably developing the same bald spot right on the back of his head. So you leave him alone. Love, mummy. So there, you got a, a letter there. It was a, you know, generally a very supporting email. I didn't, I didn't really notice that it was from your mom when I decided to lead with it. But I just noticed the part about I listen every week to hear your segments. So I was just like, oh, let's do that one. Well, yeah, it, it might have been better if you had read a little further. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's okay. That's a fair assessment. But and I mean, I, I saw that it had a part where it defends you from Frank, and so I was like, yes, but again, it's it wasn't very good defense. It says leave me alone, and then it. And then it insults me, so... Oh, no, it's not an insult. I mean, being effeminate or pansy like, that's that's the truth. So it's not really an insult. Well, I would have said it was an insult, yes, because I don't like to think of myself that way. Well, you do kind of focus on alternate realities and have confusion over what's true and what isn't, right? So that makes sense. Yes, th- oh, thank Yes, Frank, thank you. And I, and, f- and Mother, um, it's it's very nice to hear from you. Uh, I don't have a bald spot. But I can see what she's talking about. No, I mean, I can see what she's talking about. Sort of. No, I don't, I don't have a bald spot. I've checked. Right, I, I check. But no, I'm saying right there, on right at the crown. It's not a bald spot. That's just where I part my hair. Right, it's just the way I part it. It's it it's it just where the part comes to fruition. That's all. If you say so, I do say so. Thank you. But mother, thank you for, for writing in. Yes, um, I I will I will try. I will try to call you. I'm I'm sorry I didn't, and I will try to call you. That's all there is to it. Especially since you you probably won't have a lot of celebrities and. Fancy parties. No, I might have celebrity. There's probably going to be fancy parties, yes. Because, like I said, I'm I'm out of jail now. The, the, just because the institute doesn't want me right now, I, I know, I'm sure I'll be back there. I'm sure it is one of the premier extra historical institutions in the nation and, in fact, the world. So the, it's it's almost inevitable that I will end up back there because I am a very good extra historian, right? And as far as the celebrities go, yes, there's probably going to be more. But mother, I will try to call you anyway, right? So can we just settle it like that? I am going to be successful again, and I'm going to call my mother. And everyone will be happy, all right? Oh, it's fine by me. I mean, what do I care? Well, I mean, I sort of care, and I don't think you probably deserve to be successful. But, but I'm going to, so it doesn't matter, all right? Everything is going to be all right. Fine. No, it's true. It is It is fine, Frank. It's fine. Uh, Rory, because you're right. I mean, um, we're all just, you know, going through our lives, doing the best we can, so... Speaking of doing the best we can, I'm pretty sure this episode of Guard Duty that's about to play is my favorite one ever. It's called Fast and Faster. It is about Dr. Fast, and it is pretty freaking awesome, if you ask me. So here, let's get right to it. Let's let's listen right to it. Here we go. The Earth Guard, the planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of guard duty. This week, Dr. Fast and the Stallion in Fast and Faster. 
I must say it is a pleasure to have you here. I know it must have been disconcerting seeing the rest of the guard return to their own time and being left behind. It's no trouble, though. We can return you home whenever you'd like. It's a pleasure to be here. It's nice to have someone to talk to on my own intellectual level. Yes, I remember that. Ah, I see. It isn't that way for you this time because you can remember the entire conversation. Precisely. While for you, this is the thrill of finally being understood by someone who can comprehend the magnitude of your ideas, for you it is merely playing out the function that I remember you serving. Fascinating. For you, yes. Oh, and don't mind the stallion. He's busy talking with Warren Grant, our new government handler. The stallion? I'm telling you, the boy was never in any danger whatsoever. Because it happened before! We remembered what was going on, so we knew nothing was going to happen to... No, no. I understand that normally being tossed through the air like that would be considered dangerous, but since we'd seen it before, there was no chance that... No, it wasn't a different time. I'm telling you, it was the same time. We were here from the past. Hold on a second, can you? Hello, Doctor. Sorry I'm late. There's some business I need to take care of with Mr. Grant. Are you two all right without me? Of course. Thanks. All right, look, War. This is ridiculous. There was never any chance the So, you know everything that's going to happen from now until we get me back to the past? Of course. You and I wait for the stallion to finish his discussion with Grant as we prep the timetable to send you back. Then we get notice the Goblin Girls created some sort of lava demon in Hawaii. Then you head back in time and go to your lab to work on a new invention. Pity. What's that? Just that while talking to you can offer me a fulfilling dialogue full of surprises and a new outlook on my situation back in my home time, it holds nothing for you but an automated retread of past experience, although... You just ask Merely me. being polite. How awkward would it be for you to just sit here, knowing I knew what you were thinking without actually discussing it? Understood. Good point. Isn't there a way we could break the cycle? For instance, you know what you're going to say to me next. Couldn't you just say something different? Of course I could, but why would I? You're neglecting to consider two factors. First off, I'm not saying this merely because I remember it being said to me. It's also what I want to say, and what I would say, even if I hadn't heard myself say it. If it wasn't, I would never have said it to myself in the first place in order for me to remember it. It's not as though I feel bound by what happened before. I am merely acting naturally, and it happens to correspond. Secondly, any changes I make in my behavior to deliberately alter the past could jeopardize all of reality as I know it. A single misplaced word could conceivably cause the destruction of the planet. <laughs> That's a bit of an exaggeration, isn't it? Actually, no. After I went home as you, I continuously calculated the possible results of me having just said misplaced modifier instead of misplaced word. And by the time the Jovian gas lords returned, the cumulative changes would have resulted in the planet being torn in half. But I, on the other hand, am not burdened with the knowledge of future events, and therefore have no stake in doing everything in my power to preserve it. I could just refuse to conduct the experiment you just described. Of course you could. You're considering doing just that this very moment. You will, however, decide that it is not worth the risk. You trust me just as you trust yourself, and therefore, knowing as you now do that the possibility for changing things so drastically exists, the possibility of destroying the planet, you will feel obligated to do as I say I did. You'll understand when you're older. Hmm, I suppose you're right. Of course I am. One moment, I just need to pull a copy of our most recent contracts for Chuck. What I'm telling you, we're not liable. The parents can sue whoever they want to, but if you let me find our contracts... Here you go. Thanks. It's yes, it's right here. The Earth Guard will not be held liable for any damages incurred during the normal courses of their duties. That includes emotional damages, especially since this kid was in no danger! How many ways can I tell you? The kid is going to be in more danger crossing the street tomorrow than he was at that moment. We saw it before! Are you not getting this? We if you knew all this was going to happen, why not warn Chuck about the legal issue of using the kid to take them down like that? 
Again, to what ends? Since I remember him having that conversation, changing things could, again, have negative effects on my past. Ah, but you could have spoken to him about it, made things turn out better, and then had him fake that conversation for my benefit. And what makes you think I haven't? I suppose that's true. You just seem to have accepted things. And what could be wrong with accepting the inevitable? This conversation will happen to you, and you will be me. And you will say the things I'm saying now. There is no way around it. Perhaps. But what if- Won't work. Don't forget, any tricky ideas you're trying to come up with to beat the situation occurred to me when I was you, and therefore I already know them. There's no way you can outsmart me. I'm you, but with more information, including the outcome of the situation. Accept that, then we can move on to other more productive conversations. Actually, I think it's about time I get going. Perhaps you'd be so kind as to retrieve the timetable. Of course. And for the record, I knew you were going to say that. Again, I was just being polite. Nothing personal, of course. I just had an idea for an invention I'd like to head back and get started on. Ah, the anti-grav belt. I remember that inspiration. Anti- Yes, of course. I'd offer you advice on it, but clearly nothing I say is going to change the way we design the damn thing. Having trouble with it, are you? Yes, it's just... Well, you know the override circuit you just envisioned a moment ago? Well, it seems that it isn't capable of handling the job. It overloads the drop of the hat, sends people rocketing into the atmosphere. Now that is intriguing. And useful. You see, I didn't just come up with an idea for an anti-grav belt. What? No, I've just had an idea for a device capable of altering someone's recent memories. You what? Yes, I thought I might find a way to go back home and alter my memories of this situation, thereby giving me, the one of us without his memory altered, the upper hand. Clearly it's going to work. This isn't... This isn't possible. Of course it is, old man. I beat you at your own game. You think you know everything, and that's your biggest weakness. But I don't remember. <laughs> of course you don't, old man. Are you dense? As soon as I get home, I'll build this memory alteration device and take all this out of my memory. I wasn't sure what to replace it with, but a malfunctioning anti-grav belt sounds just about right to me. I've beaten you. But... I'm you. No, you're a condescending, self-assured egomaniac. I, on the other hand, am a scientist. And if the price of defeating you is that I, too, will someday be defeated by me, then so be it. If I become you, I'll deserve to be beaten. Step away from the timetable, please. I'll be spinning home now. But you can't leave yet. What about Goblin Girl? Well, if she hasn't put in her appearance yet, then that's just another thing I'll add into your false memories, just because you said it to me. Simple as that. No, you can't do this. Not my mind. You can't take my mind. Just watch me, old man. Stop, wait! I shall see you again, old man. And although I would not wish it so, I know that someday I shall even be you. For my sake, I hope this defeat does not crush you too much. Wait! You don't have to do this! You don't- Well, that's done with. Is he gone? Clearly. And it worked? He bought it? Of course he did. I told you, I remember. Alright, I get it. And things with Grant? Oh, things are fine. Thanks to you, we worked out everything with the Void Six beforehand. Excellent. That seems to take care of every- Fast, Stallion, you there? Voodoo Lady, what's going on? It's Goblin Girl. She's in Hawaii, and she's risen some sort of giant lava beast. I don't think I can take this thing on my own. Lend a hand? Goblin Girl? Lava beast? We'll be right there. This isn't... it can't... Snap out of it, Fast! I think I'm going to have to reevaluate my understanding of the space-time continuum. No time for that now. We're on the job. Of course. See you there. Jordan D. White, with Michael D. Murkowski as the narrator, Daniel Schwartz as Dr. Fast, Rich Bellin as the Stallion, Kevin White as Voodoo Lady, with theme song by Michael D. Murkowski. 
Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Um, my name is Jordan D. White again. Why am I telling you that? If you are hearing this, you probably heard the beginning of the show. Yeah, uh, that would, yeah. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. People probably won't start in the middle of the show. It's not like it airs somewhere. They have to download it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. But anyway, um, let's move on because we do have a, a, like I said, a jam-packed show. But we also have all these letters we want to read. So what did you guys, I mean, before we do, did you guys like that episode? Yeah, it was good. You know, it was fun. I, I wasn't, I'm sorry, I wasn't really listening. I was asleep, sir. <laughs> that's not something to really be proud of. I just said it was like my favorite episode ever, and you guys didn't even listen. Uh, what do you expect? <laughs> I'm a cat. Uh, in real life, I do what I want. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I do whatever I want, whenever I want to. <laughs> and Rory, do you have an excuse? I had my mind on other things at the time, I'm sorry. But is it time for my This Day in History? Almost, almost. I did want to read you the next letter. Uh, we've got another letter. It says it's called For Rory, so I thought we'd read that one. Frank, do you want to do this one? Uh, sure. This is from uh, Allison Peasbottom. Oh, God. Uh, Rory. You're a jerk. Let's not even discuss that you went to jail because of something you did that your gracious and objective co-hosts warned you against. That's already enough. Then you go to jail for 30 measly days in what was probably some white-collar jail with lovely hot meals, a workout facility, and afternoon tea, and complain about it endlessly even though it was your fault. You write a letter to your co-host telling them that they are huge jerks and berating them, and then you get out of jail and expect them to still want you back in my life. I mean, that they will still want you on the podcast. You show up unannounced at their door, and instead of begging them to take you back, you guilt them and give them for not welcoming you into their arms. They didn't even replace you permanently. It was just a one-night stand. And anyway, you had no reason to be jealous or mean about it at all. I was just looking back over my old journal entries, thinking I made a mistake breaking up with you. But you know what? I'm glad I did. You suck. Allison Peacebot. I, well, I, I mean, I, again, I guess I probably should have read these over. I mean, I just kind of stopped at the four Rory part. Yes, I mean, could, uh, do you have no ability to screen anything at all? Do you? I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's... Alison is my ex-girlfriend, obviously, so um, I didn't really see why we should be reading letters from her. And uh, for your information, Alison, I didn't have tea in jail. Uh, they did not serve tea at all, um, not even during meals. Uh, so you were wrong about it. Uh, it was a very unpleasant experience. So I'm not going to be begging you to take me back because uh, you're not a very nice person. So you might have broken up with me, but I will be the one to choose never to get back together with you. How about that? Well, it doesn't really sound like she's very interested in getting back together with you. Well, it, uh, that's fine because I don't. My, my point is that I didn't want to. So yeah, but it sounds like you're trying to take some power whether you don't really have any. I mean, she's already saying she's not gonna. So yeah, it's fine, Frank. It's fine because I'm not. I don't want her. She can have whatever power she thinks. She she can have because I don't want her, right? I don't need her. I, I, I don't need a girlfriend right now, all right? I'm going through something, but it's it's all right. I can make it through it on my own, all right? Well, you're not on your own, Rory. I mean, you've got us. Well, yeah, I mean, sort of, yes, I suppose, yes. Um, But my po uh, look, can we just do, look, uh, let's do this day in history. Right, yes, actually, we're going to do two this day in histories because we didn't have a show last week. So this is last week's this day in history first. Uh, let's listen. Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin and you're listening to WHRW Binghamton. On September 29th, 1930, filming begins on the classic horror film Dracula starring Bella Lugosi. Lugosi scored a great stage success playing the title role in the play Dracula. Excuse me, Mr. Director. Yeah, what? I have received call from co-producer in Italy. Wants us to create version of film for Mussolini. That also inculcates racial purity. What do you say? I say, what's inculcate mean? It's a sort of word you find only in learned English books for Romanians. I'm not sure. That's a tough decision. Normally, 
I'm all in favor of getting more money from Italians, but I think just this time, we shouldn't go for it. After all, genocide is never right. But they have not committed genocide yet. Yet being the operative word here. Good point. And it was that fateful decision that gave us the amazing film Dracula, well known for not containing genocide. This is WHRW Binghamton with This Day in History. But listen to the sound of my voice. I'm not done yet. This is Rory Sinjin on Cast and Wax with Where Are They Now in History? And there's a lot more to know about this Bela Lugosi fellow. He didn't actually learn his lesson, unfortunately, from being in the Dracula movie with the famous non-genocide message. So, in fact, when he got out of that film, he did accidentally, to be fair, commit genocide. He was misguided about the whole thing, and he did commit a, a heinous act of genocide. And unfortunately for him, people did find out about it, and they did arrest him and put him in jail. It was a very harrowing experience for him. He was in jail for about a month or so, give or take. And when he got out, um, he figured, well, I'll just go right back to acting. It shouldn't be a problem. You know, I've done such a good performance as Dracula. And unfortunately, uh, he found that all the studios had fired him. And so he thought, well, at least my general life is going all right. But in fact, it wasn't because all of his friends turned on him somewhat and had left him behind and thought, well, if you're the type of person who can commit genocide like that so casually, then perhaps we are not as good of a person as we thought. And you see, basically, when he got out of jail, his life was in shambles. And uh, this was unfortunate for Mr. Bella Lugosi. So this is this is why you should never commit genocide or, or even really be in favor of genocide or, you know, stand by while genocide happens. Uh, this is Rory Sinjin on Cast and Wax with Where Are They Now in History? Thank you. Um, that's, that's basically true. I mean, you, you definitely shouldn't perform genocide or, or allow genocide to occur if you can help it. Um, I don't know if because you go to jail and, and have your friends reject you is really the reason not to do it. There's kind of better reason. Well, I mean, um, yes. I mean, I, I, you know, I was going through something at the time. So so you let your personal life affect your work? Yes, well, Frank, as I, we all know that you do that. No, I don't ever do that. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? Well, what about the time when you interviewed me right there on the spot because you were so aggravated at me? Wouldn't that be a personal life intruding on your on your work life? Uh, no, not at all, actually, uh, because what that was was me going after a scoop when I saw one. Oh, oh really? Yes, and so that's more professional because I'm, I had other plans, but I was able to abandon them because I was like, oh, this is better for you know my career, better for society at a whole. Better for society Yes, because it reveals you as a, as a phony. Okay, guys, 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 guys. Uh, let's um, stop on that. Thank you, Rory, for that This Day in History and that Where Are They Now in History. We are very happy to say that we do not support genocide on the show or homicide even. So let's back up a little bit. And uh, speaking of uh, uh, what might be murder, let's let's talk about uh, the next show, which is called Debatatorium. And I believe, Frank, you're debating something that just might be murder, right? Oh, uh, yes. Actually, yes. This is a debatatorium in which we tackle the very hot-button issue of abortion uh, and whether or not abortion should be outlawed entirely and things like that. So uh, let's get right to it. Uh, this should be pretty good. All right, let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Debatatorium 2006. This is the penultimate round of uh, debating. This is the third round. We have two debates uh, this round, and then we'll, the winners of those two debates will go up for the champion debate off, so to speak. Uh, tonight, we've got the, the two uh, victors of the previous uh, from the previous round. We have uh, Lord Vanten Zest, Conqueror of Good Hitler and Parsis of Planet Science. Yes, yes. Uh, he did uh, defeat both of those people, proving to us that, uh, what was it, that the Iraq War was good and that mo- monkeys speak Oh, robots. I forget. I, I know nothing robots. about your modern-day Earth conflicts. And, of course, debater number two. What? Debater number two. Introduce yourself, please. <laughs> debater number two. Now, why is that funny? <laughs> He's a debater. That's not a... Yeah, but that's not a... There's no... Uh, oh, Lord. Is this who I'm against this week? 
I'm Alice. I'm Alice Wilcox. Yes, uh, Alice Wilcox. Wilcox of the ah. um, of the ah. gun Wilcox. Ah. Apparently, the ah. gun money. Ah. Anyway, however, now you may have noticed, listeners and debaters, that the second round of debating was kind of the the fun round, so to speak. Uh, now we're back to real issues, hot button ones that involve buttons that are hot. Tonight we're going to be debating something that's very, very hotly debated in America today. Uh, we're going to deba- debate whether or not abortion should be alright. And of course Miss Wilcox believes that abortion is A-OK whereas uh, Lord Zess believes abortion is wrong. So, Lord Zess, please, why don't you tell us why abortion is wrong? Alright, now, let's let's introduce a hypothetical here. Now, I come from the past. Let's yes. say I was the ancestor of Miss Wilcox over here and I'm quite glad I'm not. But let's say I was. Now, if I were to pressure my good wife into aborting this hypothetical baby, then she would cease to exist, and we would have a grandfather paradox upon us, right here and now. That's true. Now, do you have a wife? No. Okay. I'm very alone. So you couldn't do that? No. But I am married to fashion, however. Well, you can't pressure fashion into not having a baby. Yes, you can! Okay, well, theoretically, maybe. Um, well, Ms. Wilcox, what do you have a response to this? He's saying abortion is wrong on the basis that it could cause problems in time travel. So? Oh, quite erudite there, Miss Wilcox. <laughs> Wilcox. <laughs> no, Listen. That's, go ahead. I don't know where you're from. This. But where I'm from, we don't time travel. So therefore, we're okay. I wouldn't think they would have time travel out there in the sticks, but oh well. Well, they don't. That's I think that's what she's saying. Yeah. So, regardless, what is your next question, Mr. Allen? Well, I, well I've, as far as I'm concerned, the abortion question has not been answered. Um, Miss Wilcox, why don't you tell us about why you think abortion should be legal? Have you had children? No. Have you? Yes! And uh, how did that go? Not so good. Mr. Allen, I would like to do something unusual yes. for this debate. I would like to argue both sides. I would like to argue that Miss Wilcox is living proof of the reason why abortion may very well be okay. No, but you can't actually no. do both sides. And the, the audience gave you an ooh on that one. Um, Thank you, audience. There's an audience? Yeah, they're very quiet. They usually are quite respectful. Point is... <laughs> no, listen. So you're implying that you've had children and it's unpleasant, therefore all children should be aborted? You're arguing for mandatory abortion? No, 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 no. Okay. I'm just saying, if you had kids, you would know that sometimes... It's a good idea. Now, Lord Zest, do they have abortion uh, in your time? Well, yes, they do. But I'm arguing this more in the context of time travel. I believe time travelers are a definite interesting case here. This is irrelevant right now! It has perfect relevance. Well, if he's here now, then now does have time travelers, like him, for example. What? He's a time traveler. He's here now. Now, what I would like to argue is that... We have no way of knowing who is a time traveler and who is not. Therefore, we have no way of knowing who are this, who has seen their descendants and who may be, quite frankly, disgusted with their descendants, and therefore who might want to try to abort their child to prevent said descendants from existing, and therefore creating a grandfather paradox. Do you That's have, a good idea. Do you have descendants? Maybe. Have you checked? No, I have not. I'm too frightened to check. We can check. No, that is quite all right. All right, all right. We don't have to check. Uh, but I do have an expert on the line, so who does want to comment on something about this. Oh, hello, mother. I'm calling... My name, I am Al Wilcox. I had the misfortune of being named after my mother. Oh, God, it's you. Yes, and I want to say that I'm in favor of abortion because I wish I was dead every day. 
here's the story of my life. I was born with fetal alcohol syndrome. When I was in elementary school, my mother would put a bottle of whiskey in my lunch bag, and I was kicked out of school. That was a mistake. Every day? She made a lot of mistakes. That's what she called them. Her mistakes. I was a mistake, and they sent me to live with Grandpa, who was creepy. And then I was disinherited. So... Uh, I'm right. in favor of abortion because it would have prevented my birth. I hate you, Mom. All right, all right. I love you, honey. I will argue that maybe not everyone is necessarily cut out to be the best parent in the world. I will say this, but is not adoption a viable alternative, perhaps even forced adoption, well, for those parents who turn out to be completely and totally inept, like Miss Wilcox? Well, let's, yeah. let's check. We'll talk to... Is it, So your name's Alice? Yes. No, no, I mean your son. No. Isn't that what you said? My name is Al. Al. Okay. Um, now, Al, if you were given the choice to either uh, that you could time travel and you could either go back in time and convince your mother to put you up for adoption or to just end it right there, which would you choose? Time travel isn't real. I see you're feel- feeling frivolous today, Frank Allen. N- no, we have our one um, of our debaters is from the past. It's clearly real. Yeah, way to stick your foot in your mouth on that one without any particular good aim. No, honey, you're right though. He's very frivolous. <laughs> What does that mean? Ah. What does that even mean? Ah. I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I've just stopped listening to this woman. So technically, technically, if you wanted to, after the show, you okay. could hit Lord Zest over the head, steal his device that lets him time travel here, and go back in time and talk to your mother. And you could <laughs> either convince her to abort you or to give you up for adoption. Which would you rather do? No, this is a terrible idea. No, no, it's a question. Grandfather uh, paradox. Do not give him these ideas. I'm not telling him to do it. I'm saying which he'd prefer. Which one would he prefer? Well, what I would prefer was that my father inseminate a different mother because in this particular instance, I was born with 10% of my brain destroyed. Well, that's that's quite unfortunate. Yes. Um, but I'm saying if. If you were talking to your pregnant mother, if she's just like two months pregnant, and you're not going to be able to stop her from drinking, obviously, yeah. what would you do? Drink. What's your next option? I don't drink. If I was stuck in that situation, I would probably say, yes, mother, pull the trigger. I am a mistake. I'm very uh, depressed. Are you implying that she was going to commit abortion by gunshot wound to the stomach? That would have been the best for everyone. No. My, my good sir, you are wrong. You've been indoctrinated into thinking you are a mistake. But everything is a matter of potential. You could have been something else had you been adopted by perhaps a more fit parent. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it from a certain point of view, every one of us is a potential mistake. Exactly. And well, I don't know if the papist can convince me otherwise. Who's the... Oh, him? Oh, n- n- why do you think I'm a papist? All right, well... You're from Ooh. Spain. All right, hold on, hold on. I'm not from Spain, I'm from Britain. We do have beep, another... Beep, 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 beep. We have another uh, expert here who's beeping at us here. How dare you? No, hold on one second. He said hi. No, who, who is... Who? Oh, I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, and Lord Zest, Captain, <laughs> Captain Christopher Pike... Oh, Captain Christopher Pike, also a time traveler, uh, first captain of the Enterprise. Hello, sir. Hello. Beep, 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 beep. Um, oh, good Lord. Is he speaking in binary? Beep. I don't know what he's speaking Hi, in. Frank. Glad to be here. Are you? Oh, you're translating oh, for Okay, him? we got to translate that. Oh, yes. See. Okay. Debatatorium is not for screwers around. Now, beep, 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 beep. Captain Pike agrees. Captain Pike, Um. now what is your input on this abortion issue? Beep 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 He has an expressive Extremely inefficient form of communication. Captain Pike maintains that 
as a man who has both traveled through time and space, yes. abortion is a difficult decision for all involved, and so it must be decided on a case-by-case basis. Well, not for the child. It's not a very difficult well, decision for the child. Beep, 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 Of course not on the part of the child. The child itself, you see, is not yet sentient and cannot participate in this decision meaningfully. Correct. That's what I meant. But are we not taking into account? Beep, 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 beep. Yes, we are not taking that into account. Oh, shut up. Beep. You shut up. Oh, piss off, you wanker. Beep, 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 You're making me descend into obscenities again. Just like last time. Why do you all talk in such plebeian tones? Let me speak for a bloody second. Now, as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, that... Beep. The ramifications... I don't care. The ramifications against the space-time continuum are ginormous in this particular circumstance. We cannot... We cannot... We cannot uh, ignore the uh, ramifications abortion uh, has on this sort of thing. Beep, 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 beep. We certainly could. You're just arguing that we shouldn't. I'm beep, beep. I tell you of your gay okay, banter, I'm, Mr. I'm sorry. Beep, beep, beep. I'm sorry. Probably shouldn't. Hold on a second. Oh, God, I hate wearing that thing. Captain Pike, you can talk. Well, I've always been able to talk. This chair is just so amazingly comfortable. Wait, so you just choose not to talk? Well, when you're as highly evolved and advanced as me, wouldn't you choose not to talk? Uh, Apparently, evolution has no bearing on manners whatsoever. Can I Captain Pike? No, I might want to beep again. Dang it. Human communication in this time period is little better than a virus. It's true. All right, well, so what's your... So then... so What I wanted to say is he's got the space-time continuum all wrong. Really? Abortions have actually improved it. In what way? By creating the plethora of parallel universes we now enjoy. Remember that episode of Star Trek? Yes, I wasn't in it. But the one where they went to the mirror universe? Oh, with all the goatees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really popular episode caused by abortion. Oh, please. Do you think everyone is so unfashionable in alternate universes as to have goatees? This is the very reason why alternate universes cannot work. And besides, it's it's only a Theory. Well, they don't just work, they play, destroy, and make martinis. Delicious space martinis. Um, okay. Mm, yeah, I could go for one of those right now. Yeah, jeez, whoa. Hold what on now. Are you people just making up the idea of a space martini? My god. Now, hold on. I've never had one. Miss <laughs> Wil- ah! Wilcox. Oh. Miss Wilcox. Ah. Miss Wilcox, I want to know, uh, yeah. does this space-time argument have a bearing on your argument? No! No. So they're supporting you, but, but you don't affiliate re- with them? Well, no. They're going to get me a drink. It's going to be great. But I thought you said you didn't drink. I don't. Yeah, beam that right over to that lady's stairs. Beaming. Okay. Ooh. Thank you, sirs. You're drinking right now. No, I'm not. Dude, she talked to us. Oh, my God. So every time when you're not drinking. Yeah. She's totally looking at you. I, oh, all right, all right, all right. Uh, no, gentlemen, get gentlemen. back in the chair. Ge- okay, gentlemen, hold on. I do want to say, uh, Mr. Wilcox, uh, Al. Thank you for showing me the minimum of dignity, Mr. Allen. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, but what I want to know is... I see that Mother's found a drink again. If it, it, does knowing Only because the doctor wouldn't refill my prescription of Valium, darling! Does knowing that there's probably an alternate universe where you're happy make you feel any better? Oh. If, I, if I could say something, Frank. Oh, yeah, go ahead. We can fix him in this universe. How? We're from the future. What can you do? Uh, new brains are a dime a dozen. You could give him a different brain? Yeah, I'm wearing one right now. Yeah, we could fix his brain. It's oh, easy. It looks nice on you. Mm. How does this sound? Oh, as Thanks. long as it's dog or better, and I'm in favor of we'll it. We'll give you a hyper-evolved chimp brain. It's Ooh, great. That sounds now, great. 
All right, now, this is highly irrelevant, as nice as it may sound, but let's think about the whole concept of a parallel universe for a second. Now, let's use the example of L, your name is, right? And his mother. Yes. Now, let's say his mother were to... Let's say he was to time travel back to the past and tell his mother to pull the trigger. I don't as think said, yeah. I don't think that the act of pulling the trigger would suddenly create an alternate universe somewhere out there where everyone has goatees. That that just sounds ridiculous to me. Why is he hung up on goatees? I'm confused. He's a very he's a fashion nut. Have you ever tried this Lord Zest? What, a goatee? No, no. No. Well, have gosh. you ever tried a goatee? No. Have you ever tried time traveling and changing things? Of course not. So then how do you know it doesn't create another universe? Because I do not want to risk bringing this universe down around everyone's ears. But you don't know. No, I don't ears. want to know because what if what if I err? Then we're all gone, Mr. Allen. Very fine idea you have there. No, I'm just wondering. Hey, kid, your brain's in. No longer Al, but Spiffy the Chimp. Sp- Al. Spiffy, did you have a comment on this uh, abortion issue? No, but I like picking mitts. Well, picking mitts is fun, and I also um, have a newfound hobby of uh, point poking at termite uh, hills. Well, if you have any nit- nits to pick with his argument, please. Mm, chimps hate puns. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, destroy I- him. <laughs> No, I'll just have to show extra vengeance when I go and uh, root for bugs. Okay, well, have Anyhow, some fun with the bugs. Um, I don't know. The official chimp position on abortion is that, uh, well, well, collectively, we chimpanzees believe that it's the um, it should be the mother's choice. Okay. We also uh, we also believe that Captain Pike got a raw deal and that uh, Kirk's Kirk was was making a lot of mistakes when he tried to settle all alien disputes through uh, fist fights. And. And relationships with women. You you also forgot that I was better looking than him. No. Not not when you're in that chair, you're not. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've seen your future. Power down, Alan. Well, I have a lot of chimp business to do, but I got to say, Debatatorium 2006 has solved all my problems. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Another satisfied customer. Wait, Smithy. Yes, what? Would you Would you like to come back with us to the future? Yes, or in chimpies. <laughs> All right. I hope you don't run into. Here, right? Oh yes. Okay. All right. I hope you don't run into any robots along the way. Thank you. Uh, thank you. All, all three uh, experts, so to speak, or one t- expert, t- two experts, and another guy. Uh, but we do have to go to our. I'm the other guy. Yeah, we're going to go to the bar at the end of the universe and have space martinis. Awesome. Woo! All right. Uh, now, Miss Wilcox. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Lord Zest. If you could start with your closing arguments. All right. Now, I believe. I don't really have much to add to my closing arguments this week, but I would just like to reiterate some of my points. The space-time continuum is in danger of unraveling due to this whole concept of abortion, especially in the context of time travel. For this reason, this reason alone, I suggest we do not allow abortions, period, because who knows, maybe one day we may just get that one abortion patient who knows time travel and is trying to get rid of an undesirable descendant. Okay. Um, that's that's pretty clearly your point, yes. Um, anyway, Ms. Wilcox, what do you have to say? Final arguments. You haven't said a lot this debate, to be honest. Al. Yeah? No. Oh, no. Frank. Sorry. Yeah. Frank. Frank Allen. That's me. Yeah. His dilemma is easily fixed. Who's? His? Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Zest? That yeah. guy. Can't wait to hear this one. Don't time travel. Have abortion. Oh, please. The right to time travel is far more important than the no, right to... No, 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 Don't, no, don't no, clap no, for no, her. No, no, Dude. Yeah. Not you, the other dude. Which, you're, you're, you're Al. Zest. No, I'm, Frank. I'm Frank. You're Frank Allen. Lord Frank Zest, Allen. please. Lord's, okay, Zesty. If you would rather have a situation where there's a ton of time-traveling crack babies, then yeah, outlaw abortion. 
Boo! Boo! Does this even make any of a modicum of sense? He's, she, you know, it's pretty clear. She's saying the problem is abortions plus time travel. So why, if she's saying if you get rid of the abortion part, you'll have too many people and they'll all be time traveling. Thank you, Alan. Frank. Oh, please. Frank Allen. The right to time travel is far more important than the right to an abortion. That's just because you don't squeeze something the size of a watermelon out of your... T- mm. Quite unfashionable, truly. All right. Well, All right, let's get to the uh, verdict. All right, well, I, I thought about this long and hard, and uh, I've got to tell you, given the choice, I'd probably rather time travel than not have a baby. So uh, time travel, if it's go- if it comes down to time travel or abortions, abortions got to go, time travel's got to be around. Thank you, Frank Allen, for being the only person in this room to see the light of reason. Have fun on welfare with your crack babies, hey. Mr. Alan. Uh, well, I don't actually have hey, any ladies. babies. Hey, want to come with us to the future? Okay. Woo! Right. Yeah. And she takes Space advantage. Martinis. And she takes Get advantage of the right to time travel anyway. So there you go. I had a hysterectomy. Okay. Uh, now, thank you uh, for that. You know what this means, Lord Zest? Yes. You are going on to the championship round. Oh, I quite dearly understand that. One more debate for you, and then we find out if you are the debatator of the year. All right. Debatator. Debatator. Here we are in the future. No, no, this is only, this isn't far Ah. enough into the future. You have to go Ah. farther into the future. This is only a minute Ah. in the future. You have to go farther into the future. Darn it, didn't press the green button. Okay, let's let's go. All right. Thank you, and thank you for listening to Debatatorium 2006. Two episodes left. Find out who's going to fight Lord Zest in the last debate next week. All right, now we're in the future. No, this isn't far enough into the future. Hit the button harder. Oh, the other green button. Okay. Good night, everybody. That episode of Debatatorium featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Jacob Thompson, Angela Tyman, Elijah Weberhan, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much. And good to know that that abortion thing is settled once and for all. I guess abortion is illegal now, so that's unfortunate for people who uh, 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 wanted it to be legal. But I would have thought, to be honest with you, I would have thought it would have been made illegal because people thought it was murder and all that, rather than because it could screw up time travel. But I didn't really consider the time travel thing before. So, no, no, it's a serious, it's a serious thing. Because time travel obviously will happen eventually. And when it does, you don't want to be messing things up. If you start doing abortions with time travel involved, uh, before you know it, the whole human race will be just aborted. Wow. I mean, that could be serious. That could be serious. Let's keep going because we do have a lot of a show. Um, R- R- Rory, before we get to your this day in history, your actual this day is this day, I do want to say I've got another letter for you. And this one I read ahead of time. I met, While we were listening to the abortion one, I went back and I said, let me make sure this is correct. And this one is actually a positive one in favor of you. All right. Well, that's very nice of you. Yes. Uh, let me read it to you. It's called Hey Rory. It's a little hard to read because there's not any punctuation in it at all, but I'll do my best. Uh, hey Rory, don't let all those letters for Frankie get you down. I am your biggest fan. You are great. I make up crap like you all the time. It's hilarious. You've got a funny accent. I like when you just confuse all the other guys. Cheer up, man. Sometimes I copy you like I come up with weird stuff and just say it and people are confused like you are full of crap, but I will say no it's history dumbass ha 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 they don't know what's going on they look like a fool. So you are an inspiration. Keep it up, man. Willie Broxton. Uh, so that was a, a positive letter for you. The guy really supports you. He likes your, your This Day in Histories, and he doesn't 
want Frank to get you down. Oh, you know, that, wow, that's nice of him. You should probably listen to him, man. Don't, don't let me get you down. Just because, you know, whenever you're coming up with weird stuff and, you know, making crap up, uh, and are totally full of crap, I, I try to get you down, but don't let it happen, man. Cause this guy, you're an inspiration to him. <sighs> yes, thank you. Thank you, Jordan, for reading that to me. Um, you couldn't have put in the punctuation yourself, could you? I mean, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I could have. I just, uh, you know, I didn't, again, I didn't do it ahead of time. I read it, I just read it over and I was like, okay, this is a positive one for real. Like, this one definitely says nice things, but I didn't take the time to go. You couldn't have taken the time at all. Well, I mean, I, no, I could, I, I could have. I just, I, I didn't, I, well. But he really likes you. Yeah. And, and that's very good, I suppose, yeah. You're an inspiration to him. Clearly, an inspiration to, um, you know, do this, write this letter. So, right. Uh, let's let's do the other day in history. This one is actually for today. So, right. So, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Hello, my name is Rory Sinjin, and this is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Did you know that on October 6th, 1866, the brothers John and Simeon Reno staged the first train robbery in American history, making off with $13,000 from an Ohio and Mississippi railroad train in Jackson County, Indiana? Simeon, come over here. That was a long walk. What's up? Well, I've got this idea. Haven't we always wanted a train? Yeah, ever since we were kids. Well, there's one sitting over there. Oh, hey, that's a train. I say we take it. What? Are you suggesting that we stage some kind of train robbery? Exactly. But then how will we get away? We'll run away. That's a good idea. We can carry the train. Precisely. Let's go. I say, Eloisa, do you see those two men running up to our train? Indeed. Quite bizarre. It's a good thing all my money is in my suitcase in the uh, baggage car and not on me. Ah, I also am relieved. Excuse me, ladies. You might want to get out of this train. We're stealing it. Where are you taking it? Away. We're thinking over there. (laughs) Simeon, pick up the train. Let's run. Okay. Ah! Ah! Attack! I stepped on attack! Had he Ah! ever worn shoes with proper support in his arches, this would never have happened. Oh no! Silly Americans! (laughs) Unfortunately, the failure of the first train robbery did lead to the very first shoe robbery shortly thereafter. This is This Day in History on WHRW. Binghamton, make sure you wear shoes, please. And if you think that that's the whole story, you've got another thing coming. My name is Rory Sinjin. This is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Let me just say, that train robbery was just the beginning of some terrible events in Simeon's life. Basically, his brother, you know, stepped on attack. His foot rotted away from the inside and had to be amputated twice. His brother died in the process of the of the double amputation. Uh, Simeon was just, just distraught, but he, you know, he kept going. And he tried to rob another train. He couldn't carry it on his own, of course. So the train, you know, fell on him, and then he went to jail. Not a pleasant experience going to jail. He went to jail, though, and then, you know, see what happened next. He came out of jail. His life was destroyed. He had no job. I didn't mention he had a job. He had a job before. It was a very, uh, you know, good job. It gave him money. He just stole the train as a kind of a, a lark. He thought, oh, this will be a little a little extra thing in my life. So he stroked to try to steal the train, but he did, it, 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 it backfired, obviously, because he came out, he didn't have his job, he didn't have any support systems, he didn't have his life. It descended into, well, you know, obviously alcohol is is the one that's obvious. But did it go into drugs? You know, I don't know. Did they have drugs back then? They probably did. So he probably did, yeah. And um, 
you know, it wasn't long before he was living in the gutter, and it wasn't long after that before he died alone and miserable. And it's all for lack of shoes. I mean, it started with a lack of shoes. I mean, yes, I said he had a job and it was a good job and all that, but he still didn't have shoes. Not because he couldn't afford them, but because he just wasn't wearing them. He, he should have been. His brother should have been as well, or else, you know. the ta- I mean, if he had been wearing shoes at the time, the tack wouldn't have hurt him that much. Arch support is also good. It's a, se- it's a separate thing. I mean, the arch support wouldn't have specifically helped with the, the tack, but it's also very beneficial to your feet, which should be taken care of. But generally, like I said, shoes. And then otherwise, you know, you end up dying alone in the gutter. If you don't wear shoes, I don't think it's a coincidence. So, this is Rory Sinjin on Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Huh. Well, that's, I mean, I guess you should definitely try to wear shoes. It, doing dangerous things like trying to steal a train when you're not wearing shoes. It's bad. And they went to another jail one, I noticed. Well, yes. You know, people who do bad things go to jail, apparently. So, it's not that surprising that there's two things a week apart that where someone goes to jail. You know, one involved genocide and one involved robbery. So why is it so unusual that they both go to jail? Oh, no, it's not. It's not. It's just the unusual part is that, coincidentally, the person who was saying it also had gone to jail. Lots of people go to jail. So well, I would say the bulk of people don't go to jail, though, right? So if you have three random people... But they're not random, are they? They're, they're, they're historically important people and a historical studying person. So people who study history and who make history all are criminals in some way. No, I didn't... No, I didn't say that. You know, because correlation does not prove causation, so... So, oh, you're right. So it could be that, coincidentally, people who are criminals are just more interested in history. No, I, it's not, but I didn't... Look, there are people interested in history who are not criminals. There are people in history who are not criminals. I'm not... I didn't categorize myself as a criminal, but you did a crime. I was convicted of a crime, but it doesn't make me a criminal. I'm a person who made a mistake. How about that? Right, like Bela Lugosi made a mistake and accidentally committed genocide, and, and this guy was just kind of stealing a train as a lark. It's not, well, it's not exactly the same, other than, I mean, we didn't know what kind of genocide Bela Lugosi did, so it could be the same, but it's not that the same. Well, I, I think it's clearly not the same. I mean, clearly, because one of, you know, you knew what you were doing. You, you didn't accidentally break the law. You consciously chose to break the law. I didn't think it was against the law, all right? I thought it would be perfectly sensible within the confines of the letter of the law. But not the spirit of the law. But no, no, it's not whether the spirit of the law, the spirit of the law resides in the letter of the law. So if the letter of the law is not breached, then the spirit of the law is also not breached. Well, then why would they have two separate words for them? It doesn't seem like it would be... No, just, uh, look, I'm saying I didn't think it was... I thought it was kind of a loophole. A loophole to do something dishonest within the law. Well, it... Was Guys, we can't, we can't, we can't do this all show. We have so much other show to do. Um, for example, we have an episode of Decker and Hayes coming up right now. So let's get to it, guys. Decker and Hayes, Season 2, Episode 3, 1988, by Daniel Schwartz. Sometimes things don't always go as expected. Stella Decker, one of Parlortown's premier lady detectives, could attest to that. An ordinary case last year had lent her partner and lover, ex-CIA operative Macy Hayes, behind bars for murder. Now, after 18 months of sending comforting letters and getting back knit potholders... A man had come into Stella's life with a sob story as strange as it was tearful. Derek Washburn's son had been kidnapped, he said, and he needed someone with agency experience to deal with it. Stella smelled foul play and had followed the trail to a familiar location. Hey! 
Open up. Stella? Lucky? Stella, how you doing, sweet cheeks? Oh my god, I didn't know you worked here. Since when does Mama Wang hire men? Since she needed someone big and scared to keep the creeps away. South Tip's never been the best neighborhood. Ain't that the truth? Still, <laughs> guess with you guarding the place, there isn't much to worry about. Not most nights. Being the size of a bus will stop most people from stirring up trouble. So what the hell are you doing here? I've actually got a couple of questions for Mama. Can I see her? Give me a sec. Lucky picked up the handle of a phone on the wall and whispered into it. Stella hadn't seen Lucky John White in almost 20 years, but he hadn't changed all that much. He was about 7 feet by 6 feet, the kind of guy who shakes the earth when he walks. He got his nickname because people would rather let him win than face his anger when he lost. The two had saved each other's lives on several occasions. Finally, Lucky replaced the phone. Should be down in a sec. So what you been doing? Kicking ass, taking names. You still a blade? Hey, a man's gotta stick by his friends. Sheesh, what did I say to get that face? Somebody shot Tasha Lucky. What? When? This morning, outside my office. The ambulance barely came in time. She's at Cherry Street? <laughs> you think I'd leave her in that slaughterhouse? Got her up to St. Margaret's. Uh, thank God. Now what are we gonna do about it? I hadn't planned that far. How much of the old crew is still around? Well, Crash's girl shot him. She's up at Babylon. Underground no deed, back in 91. Sam's working with the mayor's office, pretty much just Rick, Shooter, Jane, and me. That's still some pretty heavy hitters. Have them come to my office tomorrow. You come too. Let's see if we can't set this straight. Right on, Stella. They'll never know what hit him. Hopefully not, Mr. White. I have a reputation to maintain. Celeste Wang had been brought over from China with her parents when she was two. Parlor Town was a hard place to grow up for a young immigrant girl, but being a little too clever and a little too crazy had propelled her to the top of the dung heap before too long. A little Mae West and a little Lucy Liu, her glamorous outfits and shameless pandering made her the richest madam in a city full of whores. She smiled at Stella. Well, 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 if it isn't South Tip's most famous daughter. How are you doing these days, dear? I'm kind of in a bind, Mama. I need your help. You don't even need to ask, dear. Come to my office. You'll have to excuse the mess. Things have been a little hectic around here. Everything okay? I'm getting ready to retire. Split up my business to a few deserving souls. Don't tell me you're getting too old for this. Well, no, dear. I've AIDS. Mama, You I... were always good to an old horse, Stella. You've moved on, but your south tipped down to your shoes. Mama Wang takes care of her own. What can I do to help? I... I need some information about one of your clients. Oh, honey, you know I can't do that. People come to me for my discretion. But I... So you didn't hear from me, okay? <laughs> my lips are sealed. So who's the John? A new guy in town, Derek Washburn. Stays at the Arizona. Black Armani pinstripes? He was wearing a suit, yeah. <sighs> How can you be so lovely and know so little about clothes? Anyway, I know the one you're talking about. Ask for Justine. Do I know her? She's pretty new. She took over for Sarah after Sarah went into business for herself. A dominatrix? The thing's been like. Ew. So what's his deal? Dresses too well for feds and stays in digs too crappy for corporate crime. From what I can tell, he's mob. One of those consultants they bring in, you know. Probably out to ice someone. He's a hitman? How many massacres do you know keep an automatic in their sock drawer? Oh my god. What, hun? You look pale. Mama, this man came to my office yesterday with some sob story about his son being kidnapped. He was asking about Macy. You think he was here to kill her? I need to get to Babylon. I need to warn her. What was that? I think I brought some trouble down on your head, Mama. A world of it, Ms. Decker. Don't you go waving a gun around my office, you crazy son of a bitch. Ms. Wang, I've already dispatched with your doorman. 
Don't force me to soil your dress with your exploded brain. Now, Miss Decker, you and I need to talk. Shut up and die, jackass. Women. Can't live with them. Before Washburn could pull the trigger, Stella grabbed her chair and threw it at him. The impact wasn't enough to take him out, but it got him on the ground. Stella pinned him and leaned into his ear. I don't know who the hell you are, but you're in for a world of hurting, bastard. There was a sudden blur of motion and Stella was on the ground, a knife against her throat. Welcome back to reality, Miss Decker. Let's try this again. You leave her alone! Shut up and stay out of this, madam. Or I'll slit her throat and then go to work on you. <laughs> Thanks, Mama. Nobody threatens my girl, Stella. I'll get some rope from Justine. One thousand nine hundred and seventy-nine. Macy Hayes had forgotten how long she'd spent tied to this table, in this dark and featureless room. She'd forgotten how many times she'd lost count of the drops of water hitting her face. She'd forgotten how tired she was from hours of struggling in her restraints to no effect. She'd counted now because there wasn't anything else to do but go insane. How's our little patient doing now? All rested up, toe doing better, getting enough to drink? One thousand nine hundred and eighty. Poor simple Macy. You thought you were the only one who left the company for private work? You thought you were the only one who could abandon her friends? Her partners? The people who depend on her? To earn a few extra bucks? You thought you had the monopoly on selfish betrayal? You make me sick. I trusted you, you stupid piece of trash. If Landsberg didn't want you alive, I'd have already killed you with my bare goddamn hands. 1,981. It's all you've got, huh? Sold out to goddamn cross, for God's sake. Left me high and dry in Mexico City. What happened to partners, huh? The woman who made blankets for my kids? Where'd she go? Off to whore herself out to whoever could pay the bills? <laughs> yeah, so much for honor. 1,982. Landsberg's not company, Macy. He's not even private security. He's just some mafioso who wants to have you as a hired hand. He's paying me to break you. Good thing we went through torture prep together, right? I know all the things you hate. I know all the things that make you freak. 1,983. 1,984. 1,985. 1,986. 1,987. That's my Macy, cracking under the pressure. Now that Lexi has broken Macy's will, how far will she go to reprogram her? What answers can Stella ring from the mysterious Mr. Washburn? Can the scum of South Tip avenge these attacks on two of their own? The adventure continues in the next episode of Decker and Hayes, the way it used to be. In that episode of Decker and Hayes, the narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tyman, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson, Lexi Grayson was Kate Slotwinski, Derek Washburn was Elijah Weberham, 
Lucky was still in Laneheart, and Mama Wang was Tung Wen Wong. The theme song was by Michael, temporary card, Mikowski. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, that was all of our serials for today. Now we do have some some reader mail. I'm sorry, listener mail. If you want to write into us, by the way, to to myself, to Rory, to Frank, to Scapey. No, write to me. That's probably the best out there. You can you can write to whoever you want. You can write to us at castinwax at gmail.com. Castinwax at gmail.com. Do it, man. You know, write in. It's it's fun. What have we got? Well, we do have some more letters, so I wanted to get to those. First of all, we have a pair of letters for Mr. Scape White. Yes, Mr. Scape White. That is my name. And of of course you have writers for me because I'm a celebrity. Well, that, that might be why, but, um, all right. Uh, Rory, would you like to read, uh, these letters to Scapey? Um, sure, I suppose so. Uh, dear Scape Cat, I think you are fierce. I, too, am fierce. I also hear you are a boy kitty. I'm looking for a boy kitty. My sister won't play with me. Play with me. And we will be happy. I have moist foods. Sheba Kelly. Oh, you hear that, Scape? Yes, I hear that. Okay, uh... I'm really torn right now, okay? Because first of all, other cat. Oh, not so good. Second of all, though, moist food. Moist food is so good. So it's really tough. Is there a way I could have the moist food and not play with this cat? That doesn't seem to be on the offer. It sounds like if you play with Sheba, you can have some moist food. Or I mean, it doesn't even really say you can have moist food. It just says that she has moist food. So it sort of implies... That you can have some. Well, I really want the moist food, is the thing. I don't really want the other cat. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, Sheba, what you don't understand is that Scape has been neutered, so he doesn't have testicles. Dad, don't tell people that! It's pretty obvious, really. I mean, you, you still have a very boyish voice, and you're, what, seven, eight years old? Dad, you cannot tell people that you took out my, my testicles. Because I am a tough guy. People will laugh at me if you tell them that. I'm sorry. I, I, but it's, I mean, I'm not going to lie to people if they are interested in knowing things. Well, don't tell them that ever. Even if they ask, if they say, hey, does Scape have testicles? What you should say is, oh, yes, he has testicles for certain. So he's, which is one of the reasons that he's so tough. That's what you should say, Dad. All right, I'll try. Everybody, Scape has testicles. Well, it's too late now. You already said, cut it out of the podcast. I, I, I don't know how. I just, I can't. I know that's a lie. Okay, well, fine. But here's the other letter of the pair of letters. Rory, would you mind? Um, uh, sure, why not? Uh, Scape cat. Please take my sister. I do not like her eating all my moist food. She is loud and annoying and ricks my ears while I am sleeping. Please take her away from me, and I will pay you all the tuna I can find. You're on your own with the can opener, though. Thank you, Bastard Kerry. Oh, that's pretty cute. It seems to be the sister of the previous cat. And we'll give you tuna moist food. As this one says very distinctly. It sounds like if you take Sheba, both Sheba and Bastard are going to give you moist food. <sighs> all right, look. Dad, we have to work out a plan, okay? A plan? What For what? Well, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say, Sheba, come over, and Sheba will bring moist food, and Basta will send moist food, and I will eat the moist food, all of it, okay? That's number one. But then, number two, we have to, like, get rid of Sheba. We have to be like, we have a, a cat for sale. All you need to do is give us moist food, and we will give you the cat. Escape, that's really dishonest. Honest. I mean, she's saying she wants to come fight with you and, and wrestle with you and stuff. Uh, okay. Well, let me tell you what will happen. I will win. Okay? So, no point in really doing it. Just take it as done. I won the fight. Give me the most for Escape, I don't think that's how it's going to work. Well, that's how it's going to work for me. Okay? Because that's how I operate. That's <laughs> how you operate. 
Okay, well, Sheba, Bassett, thank you for writing in. Scape is a jerk, so... I'm not a jerk, okay? I just want my most food, and I don't want other cats around, ever. Clearly, clearly. Let's move on. Frank, uh, we've got one more letter, uh, if you could read it to me. Oh, yeah, no problem. It says, uh, Dear Mr. DeWight, uh, it seems he thinks your name is DeWight, you have strongly implied in the past that the episodes of Epic Echoes are totally fictional, and yet now I have heard you, Frank, Rory, and Scape, actually it says Scope, uh, I don't know if that's a typo, meet Dr. Stelloff. Does this mean that all fictional characters are real, only in parallel universe? If so, does that mean that you can bring them to life in this universe? I would like to meet a number of fictional characters. Can you do this? Thanks, uh, Adros Polovetsium. Uh, Jordan? Yeah, uh, Dr. Stelloff, last episode. That was good of him to be here. Um, we love having Dr. Stelloff around. So, what was the question? Uh, I don't, I don't know. It was something about fictional characters? Yeah, we have a lot of fictional characters on our show. Lots of different fictional series, so. Was that it? Yeah, I think that was it. I don't know. I didn't really, I wasn't really listening when I was reading. I wasn't really listening either. That's weird, isn't it? None of us were really paying attention. Yeah. It's almost as if we have some sort of block again. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. Were you listening, Roy? I... What? No, I was thinking about my, my troubles. So, well, nothing unusual there, so I guess that's it. Yeah, I guess that's it. Um, thank you for writing into us. If you'd like to write into us, everyone else, uh, castandwax at gmail.com, and we'll be back next week with a very special episode. Frank, you can tell them about it in the preview. Absolutely, I'm totally going to. As Waxwork theme F fades up into the background, we will say adieu. Be seeing you. On the next episode of Cast and Wax, a very special political-themed episode building up to the final presidential debate on the show Epic Echoes. First up, we begin with Like Mother, addressing the question of why should young people get involved in the political process? I guess I've just been feeling lately more like it's important to be socially aware, you know? Like, it's kind of absurd to focus only on gossip and the petty concerns of our peer groups like busybodies when we could, like, have some understanding and influence on the world around us. You know what I mean? No! What are you talking about? After that, we go to Tractor Fiction with the topic of evolution versus young earth creationism. Which one should be taught in our schools? Evolution is the religion of scientists who laugh at God. 145 million years? Those guys are only guessing. Okay, smart guy. I suppose you know when the dinosaurs were here. Yes, I do. And I can tell you the exact day. All that building up to the main event in Epic Echoes, the presidential debate hosted by yours truly, Frank Allen. By now, I'm sure the American people are quite familiar with both candidates, so um, I think we can forgo lengthy introductions in favor of getting right to the debate. On my left, uh, three-term Democratic senator from Massachusetts, Randall Marsh. Thank you. And on my right, young Jimmy Kovacs, 15-year-old adventurer, running as the Republican candidate. Gee, thanks. 
all this plus Rory's This Day in History on the next episode of Cast in Wax, Presidential Edition, coming October 13th to Waxwork.com. 